This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember first date I went on with a guy and he was, this guy was like the most gorgeous guy I had ever been on a date with in my life. Like it was the feeling where I was like, I can't believe that he asked me to go on a date with him. And I was so swept up with how into me he appeared to be (laughs) that I wasn't listening to like everything else he was saying, which was like all of these red flags that were just popping off. Like I was listening to none of them because I was like, but you kind of look like John Mayer. Like this is great. (laughs) Let's take a breath. <sighs> hey guys, I'm Cindy Litvaco and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy that you're here. I'm happy that you press play and that we get to spend this next hour together. Um, Today we have Gabby Conti on the podcast. She is a host. She has a podcast herself. She is a presenter. She's written a book and she has also written for magazines like Cosmopolitan. So she's super, super cool and really fun. Um, her main topic that she usually covers is dating. She is somewhat of a dating expert. She's had a lot of dating experiences, which we go through today. And I think this one is such a fun episode. Even if you're not dating, I think it's just a great way to reminisce on maybe your past in dating or that single self. I think it's honestly one of the best times in your life, even though it can be annoying at times. But I think the time that I was single, I learned so much about myself and so much growth that I had and so much that I learned about like what I really wanted in life. I think that came from me personally being single. I think other people can find it within relationships. But for me, it really helped to have that time of like being very single, using all the time I needed to really figure myself out and figure out what I was really, really looking for. And Gabby has a lot of experience doing that. So if you are dating right now, I think you're also especially going to love this one. She has dated every type of person that you can imagine. She wrote a book, 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s, which speaks for itself. So she knows all of the different types. Um, We get into a lot of red flags today and what red flags you might not even notice from the beginning. With her podcast, she interviews people with really insane dating stories. And she also brings people on who are experts from like the FBI who go through the story and the examples of the person that they're describing. And a lot of times they have a little bit of a crossover with um, qualities of a serial killer, which is terrifying. Yeah, I think the podcast is super fun, but it's also a great resource to have. So today we get into, like I said, red flags, great first date tips because she's been on plenty. Um, She's also really known for going on 30 dates in three days. Yeah, 
three days. That's a lot of dates. That makes me want to just take a nap thinking about all of the energy she had to use for that weekend. But I think what I learned from Gabby is that during this period of time of all of the dating, and I'm sure a lot of dating woes, which we all have experienced in life, no no matter all of those experiences, she never gave up on love. She always continued to pick herself up and put herself out there, which I can really appreciate. I think that love is important, whether that be for yourself or for someone else, that life only gets that much better when it's filled with love. And I just love, I love that she never gave up on it because I think for myself personally, there was a lot of times where I did give up on it, where I was not faithful in the fact that it was coming. So I just really can appreciate and get inspired by someone who, like Gabby, who shows up and continues to show up for love. She is now married. So she, we talk also about the differences that she found from the dating experiences she had to finding the one. I think I get, I get a lot of questions about people asking, like, how do you know when it's the real deal? How do I know when it's the right person? And Gabby has some great examples in this episode of that. She also just has some great practical tips like how to move out of your ex's apartment and what to do right now if you are dating and how to be successful and how to not give up on love. So I think you're really going to love this episode, guys. Please share it with someone that is dating right now. I think this episode is a perfect time to have this episode. It is February. I know Valentine's Day is coming up and I I actually interviewed Gabby last week, but I wanted to push this episode out because I just think it was such a fun one. And I think so many people are going to be able to relate to whether it's her dating stories, her dating woes, um, her experience with love, or really anything that she shares because she is quite an open book and really, really fun. Um, My something to share today, it's February, like I said, and I am living in Ohio. We've had a lot of snow lately and I'm just feeling the what do they call it? Seasonal depression. I don't know if I'm fully there yet, but I'm definitely close. And I'm so excited that this weekend I had planned with a couple of my friends to take a girl's trip, which I don't think I've taken a girl's trip in like years. Honestly, the last girl's trip I probably took was like someone's bachelorette party. Um, So I'm so excited about this trip. We're doing it for a friend's birthday. We're going to LA and Joshua Tree. And it's just going to be about coming together celebrating each other, um, taking breaks from the craziness of the world. And I think Joshua Tree, we're just planning on like staying in and making dinner and having drinks and just kind of hanging out. There's not a ton that you can do there, but I think that's what's why it makes it so amazing. We're going to go like hiking and just really enjoy each other. I also think I want to record a podcast while I'm there about female friendships. I just think that they're so sacred and hard to build and hard to maintain as you grow and as you are moving on in life and you're going through certain milestones and people end up moving and and living in different places. It can be really hard to maintain female friendships. So if you have any questions, I'm going to put a question sticker out on Instagram about that before we record that. But I just think it would be a great episode and again, perfect for February. But I think my something to share is We all need things to look forward to and we all need little milestones and things that are going to, you know, put a little pep in our step. And I had been planning this trip for a long time and I've now realized I haven't even gone on the trip yet, but I'm like, I need to have a trip at this time every single year. Um, So it's just reminding me that I do need to take self-care seriously and that I do need to take time for myself, even within a relationship. Like 
Nick isn't coming on this trip. It's just me and my three girlfriends. And I'm really excited to just do girl stuff for the weekend and just hang out with my girlfriends. It's been so long and I've been loving this period of my life, just really being in my relationship and being able to spend so much time with Nick. But I'm so excited to have a weekend where I get to like check in with my friends, support them, see how they're they're doing and also fill up my cup a little bit too and getting to explore the things that I really love. Because I think no matter what, if you are in a relationship or even if you're not, we have to always keep showing ourselves love and doing the things that we love to do. Life gets busy. Life gets crazy. We all have really crazy schedules and things that we all have to accomplish, but we can't forget about continuing to also show ourselves the love that we need. Maybe that's just like a five-minute walk. Maybe that's just like, I don't know, a quick meditation in your day. Or maybe it's planning a vacation with your girlfriends in the near future, saving up for it. I actually use credit card points to book this flight. That's the first time I've done this, and I felt like it was free money. I'm not saying going out and maxing out your credit cards. I'm just saying save up for it, plan for it, make that a goal. Like I know we have goals for business and goals for our lives, but we also should make goals of like what do we want to do for our recreational time? Like how do we want to spend this year? How do we want this year to feel? And what things could we do to accomplish that feeling? For me, it's travel. For me, it's going to be spending time with people that I really love, really trying to nourish those friendships. I've had these friendships for so long. But it's important to continue working on those friendships, continue to check in with your friends, even if it's not every day, just continue to put that energy into the things that you care for. So I guess to sum that up, I just hope this is a reminder, especially in February, that it doesn't have to just be about romantic relationships and, you know, lovey-dovey stuff. It can also be about just giving yourself some love. I, I remember when I was single, I would always take myself out on single dates when I was around Valentine's Day. I would go buy myself chocolate. I'd buy myself flowers. I would take myself to the movies or dinner. And it was just so simple and kind of like nerdy, but also just so nice just to give myself that treat. So I guess I guess I hope this episode gives you permission to go do something nice for yourself and know that you have that permission from me. And I hope that it just fills you up a little bit and gets you through this winter because I need it and I'm sure you guys need it too. Um, So I'm sending all the love your way and I hope this episode supports you in in any way that you need it. Again, please share this episode with a friend, someone who's dating, someone who's not, someone who can get a laugh from this episode. Please share it with them and tag us on Instagram at something to share podcast. And you can always DM me as well at Sydney Lotwaco. That's it for me today, you guys. Before you go, if if you could leave a five-star review, I would just love you so much forever. It just makes my day and helps me to really continue on this podcast and my mission to get it out to all the people in the world that need it. Without further ado, guys, here is Gabby. Amazing. Well, Gabby, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you sitting down with me. I'm really excited for this conversation. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? 
I'm good. So we have a snow day here today. So I've been like cooped inside for the past couple of days. I'm sure you don't have that going on where you are. You're in LA, correct? Yeah, but we are having yeah. an unusually chilly day in Los Angeles. It's in the 50s right now. Oh, wow. So that's that's very cold for LA. <laughs> yes, I remember that well. Um, for my listeners who might not be familiar with you or your work, could you give us a quick little intro of you, a little pitch of what you do and all that good stuff? Sure. Uh, my name's Gabby Conti. I am an author, a host, and a writer. Um, I wrote a book called 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s, which is available wherever you buy books. It's, it was published by Chronicle. Um, I also made headlines for going on 30 dates in three days, uh, which was for Cosmopolitan. And I met my husband on the 31st date, technically. And I just launched a podcast with XG Productions on Audible called Am I Dating a Serial Killer, which is about basically a true crime and true dating podcast. So yes, dating expert, I guess, is the summary of all those things. Yeah. Did you see yourself at the beginning of your career going in the direction of being a dating expert or did this just fall into place for you? This kind of just fell into place when I started noticing that I was always the friend with the dating stories and that I was dating more than the average person. Um, mm -hmm. I was a serial monogamous for most of my life until I had a world shattering breakup up at 23 and I found myself single when dating apps first started coming out. So oh. uh, I was I was kind of the mentality of if you break up, then you'll like before it gets serious, then you'll never get hurt. So I mm -hmm. kind of found myself becoming a serial dater at that time. Uh, and then when I hit like close to 30, I started freaking out again. So <laughs> Yeah. And that's how that kind of came to be. I was always Makes writing sense. and then I wrote a lot about dating. So that kind of is how I got into that world. At least you could channel the heartaches and the trials into what you do and into all the success. So that at least was a happy ending. So I'm excited to talk through all of these stories that I'm yes, sure you have and I've course. read some of them. So I'm excited for that. But before we jump in, I always ask these two questions just to kind of start us off to share something either from your nightstand, surprising or with an interesting backstory. So you don't have to physically have an object or if you do, great. Um, what would that be for you, Gabby? Well, actually, I do have it. It's not currently on my nightstand, but it was on my nightstand for most of my 20s. And that is my love journal. <laughs> Mm. which was technically like the first draft of my book in a way. So I've had this since high school and I ha it has like love letters. It has printed out AOL uh, instant messenger conversations. Oh my God. <laughs> it has like, you know, uh, just like a bunch of things. It has really bad poetry, a lot of Joni Mitchell lyrics, just, just stuff that like was my heart at the time. And mm -hmm. it was before I found the humor in it and was able to realize that everyone was kind of going through this. Um, but I still journal and I still write. Um, but it's kind of nice to have this like time capsule still. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever go back and you're like, oh, who was that girl? <laughs> or Oh, oh, all the time, all the time. And um, after my my last, my, the last relationship I was in before I met my husband was another world shattering breakup. Um, and I looked back at it then like very, very, like more critically than ever before. And mm -hmm. I started noticing these patterns. Um, especially there was like a love letter from an ex that I considered to be toxic and mm -hmm. a let an email at the time. My ex at the time was emailing me trying to like get back together. And I looked at both of them and it was crazy how similar the letters both were because mm. these were both toxic relationships and there was love bombing, gaslighting, like all of those textbook things were in these two letters. And I mean, I just kept on being attracted to the same person over and over again, I guess. Yeah, that can be super helpful for journaling in general. One, to get out your emotions and just to like let things all onto a page and so you can move on from them. 
for the time that you need or to literally have a document to look back on that time of your life and see patterns that will pop up or similar occurrences and being like, oh, I was attracting the same guy, the same situation. I had to work through something there. So it's nice to have that practice. And it's just it just shows like how much of a romantic you are. And I really I just love that. Like well, you just leaned into love. <laughs> I am I am a cancer, so I feel like that same. kind of goes with this. You are too. Oh, that yeah. goes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I did some journaling too, but it, yeah, I totally get that. The ups and downs and wanting to find love so badly, but it's just really not coming anywhere, really not showing up for a long time. So Mm-hmm. I totally get it. Um, anything yeah. that's been on your heart or mind lately that you want to talk through? Well, definitely um, with my podcast coming out, just, it just came out the first season. There's 10 episodes. Um, Am I dating a serial killer? Because um, I just think that it really hits what we are seeing a lot of right now in the world of dating. Things that I think were always happening, but maybe we weren't talking about it enough. And it's just, it's bad behavior. It's toxic relationships. I'm thinking a lot of like Valentine's Day coming up. And how mm-hmm. there's like so much love bombing on Valentine's Day or how Valentine's Day might be the reason that you stay in a relationship that isn't serving you. I know I've done that before. Yeah. Um, or that you'll use whatever your partner, the grand gestures of a Valentine's Day celebration to kind of use as a Band-Aid to cover up all the other issues. And I was just kind of reflecting on the fact that I realized that almost 10 years ago, I got out of my own very toxic relationship um, on February 13th. I realized that I wasn't going to wait for another holiday or birthday or whatnot. Like this relationship wasn't serving me. This relationship was making the quality of my life worse and I needed to get out. So that's just been something that's been on my heart, like thinking about this, re-listening to the podcast and all of these stories that these very brave people talked Mm -hmm. about and were vulnerable and opened up and, and in hopes that someone listening to this type of stuff, it helps them realize if they are in that situation or how to safely get out of a situation like that. Yeah, I, I love the podcast and I love Aww, the idea behind it. And yeah, it it's weird how holidays and certain benchmarks act as a reminder for like where you are. And I, I can totally get where that can be scary around, especially Valentine's Day if you're in a relationship. Even just for like people seeing your relationship and like other people bringing them in on it and like knowing that like if you guys break up before the holidays, like how that might look to other people and just all the things that you go through internally when you're in a situation that's not great or ideal and the holidays just act as that extra reminder. I always feel like I just for me when I was single around Valentine's Day and I know this isn't the same for everyone but I always that was just always a reminder of like how single I was at the time and it was really hard for me during that like February period Um, because it's just you want something so badly but then you're just reminded of like the things that you're not having. So I love that there's resources and people like you and People have gone through it and can act as like a resource for them or just like someone to listen to and be like, oh, she went through it too. Like I'm not alone in this experience and all the different stories that you have on that podcast is really great because there's some extremes. Yeah, there's there's sure. there's such extremes. And then also to not only have me as like a dating expert, but to have actual experts, experts in the fields of forensics and psychology and criminal profiling. Like we actually have like people who worked for the FBI coming on and and actually being like, it's good that you got out of this relationship when you did, because this person that you were dating while they are not a serial killer definitely have a lot of personality dangerous personality traits that serial killers share, which is yeah. And I think it goes back to like why we're so fascinated with true crime. 
Yeah, it's a it's a great crossover though. Yeah, two <laughs> yeah. Like why we are like it's just it's just nuts. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Remind me of if you watched that show, you. Yes, of Netflix. course, of course. But like, like that was inspiration. <laughs> oh my goodness, good old Joe, right? Good you old. Know, you, you would can't... never know. You'd never know that. Yeah. yeah. That that show, especially my dad watched the first season, and I was living in New York at the time, and he was like, "We're getting you out of the city. There's, you can't. We're not doing this." Well, he's in LA for the the last season, right? It was set in Los yeah. Angeles or outside of the last two seasons were in LA. Yeah. Yep. Now he's probably going to be like in Europe somewhere. So yeah, it's reminding a lot of that. But I, I I can totally see the crossover because it's scary, like how especially when love is involved, it really elevates everything. And yeah, it's nice to have that support and that you have experts explaining those things. It's crazy. It, well, I think it helps the guests. It helped me. Like it was eye-opening looking back mm-hmm. at my past. And then, yeah, I'm hoping that listeners like, I mean, I never knew what the word course of control is. And that, that was mean? something that we said a bunch uh, of times on the show. I want to get you the exact definition of it, but it has to do with when your your partner kind of cuts off ties of like the outside world to you. So it's, it kind of falls under like a codependent relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. but what it really does, it's, it's a type of domestic violence, but it's not physical. Um, so, okay. It's a strategic of ongoing oppression used to instill fear. So the abuser will use tactics like limiting access to money or monitoring communications as a controlling effort. So like Mm -hmm. an example of this that we see a lot with probably our friends is like, or maybe you've you've experienced in a relationship, you're dating someone and they like don't want to talk to your friends. They don't want you to talk to your family. They're like, oh, you're yeah. like, no one, no one loves you as much as I love you, like that whole thing. And mm-hmm. they start missing out all other out- outlets of your life. So you are basically stuck with this person and you rely on them for like everything. Yeah, that's really hard because then there's, you're fully isolated. Then it's like, who do you go to? Especially when, oh, that's so, because that's something and that is like ha- happens. Yeah, I feel like that's something that can happen over time too. And you don't really realize it until it's like there. You're yeah, until it, you so. realize like you have no one to call. You yeah. have no, if you wanted to leave, you have no money to leave, like all of mm-hmm. this stuff. So oh, yeah. So scary. Do you guys li- leave like resources at the end of every episode of like, ways to reach out and call if they need yes help. we do have all of that information there and like yeah and basically how yeah where, where you can go and, and our experts do give a lot of like resources throughout the episode and I, I believe there's links to on the audible page for, as okay, well okay cool oh, yeah well for one more thing on that <laughs> have you then getting all this information and all the experts do you look back on some of your relationships and realize that you had a similar pattern or one of them could have been a serial killer, anything that you realized in recording? Yeah. In launching the podcast, I wrote an article for Audible kind of reflecting back on what I learned from the journey about what all my truly toxic relationships taught me about love. And um, my, my, the last, the, the guy I, the last relationship I had before my husband, I was living in Los Angeles and I uprooted my life to live with him in New York at the time I thought like he wanted me to live with him. And that was like a big romantic gesture, like not realizing that that was a huge sacrifice that I did. And it kind of almost in a way was a course of control because it cut me off from all of my like resources and family back here in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Um, but uh, looking back on that and like, and kind of reflecting back, I noticed that while my ex wasn't a serial killer, um, to my knowledge, he definitely yet. was a serial <laughs> yet. Um, what was, what was really creepy is when I broke up with him, the two girls that dated him before me reached out to me and I had known about them. I had blocked them on social media. Cause I, I thought they were like 
jealous, which is like, no, no, why would an ex ever be jealous? Like, it just, that's not like, that's such a bad mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I blocked them and they had, after like, I had said it, that I, I would like kind of did like a, I single and loving it post on Instagram. And it was like clear that I was no longer in the relationship. They both reached out to me on Twitter saying, we could have warned you, but you blocked us. So I do think that like these, there are people that have these patterns and it's kind of like he was a serial gaslighter, serial love bomber, mm. serial, like all that stuff. Mm. Um, so that was something I, I noticed when I was, when I was doing the podcast, looking back, I was like, oh, okay, I never dated a serial killer to my knowledge, but definitely, yeah, serial bad behaviors. Wow. Yeah. It's like, get like good signs to have those. So then when you are getting into those relationships, you hopefully can identify them quicker. Yeah. I wish that they would teach you this in like your sex ed class in school about these, these personalities, like what gaslighting is, what love bombing is and what a toxic relationship looks like. Because, you know, I think what I thought a toxic relationship was, I always thought it was like a battered wife and physical abuse. I never considered the mental aspect of it at all. Mm -hmm. That's so true. We don't, you don't really like learn about it until you have to, or until you're in it. You're in it. And then you're, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's so true. There's so many things that we should have been taught in school, like taxes and that. (laughs) So yeah, we got a lot more that we need to cover. Um, Okay. So I, when I was looking you up, originally when I read 30 dates, I thought it was in 30 days. Yeah, that's a lot of people think. (laughs) You wrote this for Cosmo. You did 30 dates in three days, which is hilarious to me. And very, I can't imagine the exhaustion that you felt from that three-day weekend. But yeah, it's like a, it's a, like a mix of the Bachelorette meets like speed dating meets like how to lose a guy in ten days, like all of these things. So walk yeah. me through why you wanted to go on this experiment and what sure. it was like for you. Uh, okay, so it definitely involved a lot of like a very crazy person schedule, um, mm-hmm. which I had on my iPhone. But the the reason of why I wanted to do it was I was kind of already doing this in a um, I was newly single. I had moved back to Los Angeles and I was having a hard time getting myself to go out on dates. So a way to kind of hold myself accountable to go on these dates is I was posting on my Instagram story, this thing I called daily date, which you can, it's still there. You can go back and watch it where I would talk to like my followers about like before the date to kind of like hype myself up. And then after the date, I would say like how it was. And it was also kind of a way for me to look back and be like, okay, if I'm saying that this is exactly what I said after the date, like, is it worth going on a second date with this person? Like, is Mm -hmm. this, do I seem happy? Is this like worth it? All that kind of stuff. So I had done that and I was contributing to Cosmopolitan at the time and my editor saw it and she's like, is there any way we could like turn this into an article? And, uh, and then she, and then we kind of like jokingly, we were like, what about 30 dates in 30 days? And she's like, that's been done before. How about 30 dates in three days? And I was like, sure. And then I was like, wait, (laughs) can I actually do this? And yeah, so it does average out to about 10 hours a day of dates. The dates all have to be around like an hour long. All the dates were like in the, the one mile radius of my apartment. I also didn't have a car at the time. So oh my gosh. I was going like back and forth to the same places. Um, it was it was nuts. It was absolutely yeah. nuts. <laughs> Pre-COVID, obviously. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So just the scheduling of it, because I just remember going on dates and they would just run forever. I, did you yeah. give the guys beforehand, did you let them know what you were doing or only when it came up? Like how did you schedule them so well? I wanted to, 
I wanted to tell, I'm very like honest and transparent. So I wanted to tell every single guy about what I was doing Mm -hmm. before they agreed to. But my editor had an interesting point where she's like, if you, from her experience, she noticed that anytime she was doing like a dating experiment and she let the person know they were like on their best behavior. So it wasn't really an authentic read of what the situation was going to be like. And people are already on their best behavior, you'd hope, on a first date. You'd hope. Um, Yeah, (laughs) you'd hope. So um, I had, I got the assignment on a Friday and I was supposed to go on my first date the following Friday. So I had a week to schedule all these dates. I was on every dating app that would allow me. And by (laughs) Wednesday, so like two days before I'm supposed to start this, I only had like 15 dates scheduled. And all of those dates didn't know about the situation. Of course, they could Google me. They could see that I contributed to Cosmo, that I had a book coming out called 20 Guys You Day in Your 20s. But they had no idea that that I was doing this. And then I reached out to my editor and I was like, is there any way that I can crowdsource the rest of these dates? Because I'm worried I'm not going to get them in time. And so half of the dates knew about it and were crowdsourced or setups or whatnot. And the other half had no idea. But um, if any of the guys that didn't know wanted to go on a second date with me or texted me after our first date, that's when I let them know about the situation. And the responses were varying. (laughs) Mm, I bet. Did any of the guy? could you compare the two, the, the guys that knew about it and the guys that didn't know? Did they act differently or were the dates better? How did that work? I think the guys that knew about it, it felt a little bit more like how a blind date or a setup felt. So it felt a little bit more forced and less organic, even though I had really great dates and great conversations. Um, and in some cases, those dates were almost, I was looking forward to them more because I felt a little safer. Uh, about it because they weren't a total stranger. Um, And then the other dates I thought were fun, but I mean, they were just kind of like, it was just basically like going on a bunch of first dates all at once. And so Mm -hmm. some of them are fun. Sometimes you feel a spark, others you don't. Um, One of the things that was shocking to me is there was one guy who we had like the best textual chemistry, but in person there was like nothing there. And I was just like, how is this possible? I thought this was going to be my happy ending. I guess, I guess not. Like (laughs) That's the worst because you... I I naturally just romanticize everything, especially going into a new situation. It just like helps me wake up in the morning. But um, yeah, and going through like a texting situation like that where you're like, oh, this could be it because of this and this and this. And we have great flow over the phone and I want to feel safe going into it. So I want to know everything I can before I go into this date. And you get there and they like – my example is I I had a situation like that and I got there and he sounded like Kermit the Frog. Oh, no. The voice so, is such a thing. Like yeah, how people, it's, how it's such a yeah. thing. The connection with that, yeah, <gasps> oh, yeah. No. So it's it's difficult, but you know, live and learn. So for you doing all these first dates, what are some good? Because everyone always asks me these questions, like what's the sure. best way to show up on the first date? Like what's a very successful first date, and what are some like cute first date ideas or like successful ways of having a first date? So I think that first dates, especially first dates with a stranger should be as casual as possible. I do not believe in the whole fancy dinner on a first date. I think that that is just like, it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. I think that if the, if you have a good first date, then I think you should do a step up on your second date. Um, I, I, I loved a happy hour or a coffee first date. Cause to me, those felt like there was less pressure. It felt like something that would be about an hour 
Uh, but there was the potential if the date was going well, where you could always like, if you do drinks, right. Or like what, even if you don't drink, whatever you get, like a drink or whatever, you could still be like, Oh, let's go get dinner. And then Mm -hmm. if it's not going well, you have an out because you just agreed to get drinks and you're not really like stuck in an awkward restaurant. Um, even just walks, like going on a walk was like, I, I really enjoy those dates because I feel like you're just not like sitting there feeling awkward. You're Mm -hmm. moving, you're getting some exercise some fresh air, and you really get to see how this person is um, just, you know, without feeling like they need to be like thinking about their table manners or whatnot. So I definitely think that I also think keeping first dates short, I think going in with the mentality that a first date is going to be like an hour and no longer than that. And then always the ability to expand. And that was something I learned from this experiment because I had no other choice. They all had to be around an hour for it to be possible. Um, But after uh, the first, after that, when I went on the first date with my now husband, technically the 31st date, I went into that date with the mentality that this was just going to be an hour long date. I had even made plans with my friend to go hang out with her after. Mm-hmm. And after that hour, um, I actually wasn't feeling it because my husband was really tired at the time. And I didn't know that. Cause you know, people are just like trying to be their best. And so I said to him after we had our, our first round was like finishing up. I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, but if you don't start like asking me questions about myself after this round, like I'm leaving and, Mm. and just like breaking, like, cause at that point I didn't care. I like, I just was like, you know, I have nothing to lose. And just like, that's another, I guess, tip is just to be authentically yourself. Don't try to pretend to be someone that you're not like be who you are because if they like you, they'll like you. And if they don't like you, why would you want to waste your time being with someone who doesn't like you for who you truly are? Mm-hmm. It's nice that those dates give you this confidence going into the actual like meeting your husband because that's what <laughs> is really hard because when you're going through all those first dates, like it's it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of like getting yourself ready and hyping yourself up and like feeling open to the potential of it going well. I feel like there's it's very easy after a series of bad dates to be like, I, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and I do like the the walking date too. I think that's great because a lot of, I've noticed a lot with dating and being in the city when I was doing so much date, it was like a lot of drinking and I was trying to mm-hmm. maintain a healthy lifestyle and like go to bed on time and like maintain my life but while still trying to date. And it can be a lot of just like, late nights and drinking. So it's nice to have other options. For my survival, I couldn't have 30 day, 30 drinks in three days. Like I would have been yeah, blackout, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I actually was encouraging for more of my dates to not be drinks, which was also eye opening. Cause yeah, cause mostly when you go on a first date, they want to get drinks. So there was coffees. There was like, there was a hike, there was a farmer's market stroll. There was a date at Dave and Buster's you know, like just reminding yourself that first dates don't have to be getting, they shouldn't be, they definitely shouldn't be getting blackout drunk. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I've had those too. And you end up in a situation you probably wouldn't have planned to be in, in the first place. So right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Always eat before you go on a date. (laughs) Definitely eat before. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, what was the difference between your dating and meeting your husband? Like, what did you notice right away? That was like, okay, this is different. Cause you sounded like you had a not so great first start of the date. So what changed for you with him? Well, it was that it was the the moment that I called him out on what I was finding to be like, not appropriate or just annoying me. Um, I know like, cause he could have responded two ways. He could have been like, oh, well, screw you. Like I, I don't need this and left. Right. And then that would have shown his character. But the fact that he was 
um, accommodating and felt bad. And then that's kind of shifted things. Um, but also it was that we, that broke the ice. Um, and mm-hmm. so instead of like being like one dimensional, I felt like we really got to talk about who we were and we ended up talking about, we had both been through recent breakups, uh, with people that we lived with. So I ended up giving him advice on how to get his ex's stuff out of his apartment. Cause I had just went through that with my ex in New York, uh, and oh how to God. get my stuff out of my ex's apartment. So it's kind of funny that like, I know they say like, don't talk about past relationships on a first date, but I think if it comes up, like, why not? Because that ended up being the thing that bonded us is that we were at the same point in our life. So I feel like sometimes the roles are like the roles. Yes, but you can break them when it's going to be the right person or whatever. So of course, don't be so strict on the rules. What what is the advice for getting your stuff out of the apartment? Because I always wondered about that. <laughs> I think you find a time where your partner isn't home. I don't think you, your ex isn't home. You don't use getting your stuff back as a way to stay in the relationship. You know, you have to really be sure that the relationship is over. And with my ex, um, it was that Mm -hmm. I had kind of, our breakup was that I went away for Thanksgiving to be with my family. And I had packed a pretty big suitcase for that because in the back of my head, I was like, I don't think this is going to work out. And then realized that it wasn't working out. So I had arranged a time to be like, okay, I'm coming to the apartment with my parents. Like, I'm going to leave the key. Like, please don't be there. And and yeah, and I was like able to do that and grab all my stuff and and pack up the car. Uh, But uh, something that my ex did, which maybe if you also are dating someone who has toxic behavior, this could happen to you. Um, I walked into the cleanest apartment I've ever seen in my life. Um, a Christmas tree with presents under the tree for me. Uh, the Christmas before he didn't get me any Christmas presents and I got him a Christmas (laughs) present, which should have been like my first sign of like this relationship should be over. Um, long like letter, like saying how much he loved me, how important I was to him. Um, a whiteboard that said goodbye, Gabby, with like a broken heart emoji drawn. Like, so, you know, like oh he, ob- and he, at this point he was still emailing me being like, why can't we make this work? I want nothing more than to like get coffee with you and like talk through this and figure out why this isn't working and how we can make this work. So um, I guess in getting your stuff out of the apartment, just be aware that you might see a version of your ex that isn't the person that you broke up with. And don't be fooled by that because that is an example of love bombing and that is a trap and he's trying to win you back. So don't fall for that stuff. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. The the lengths he went for that. <laughs> he got a treat. He put pre- like, what? Like what? He became is a completely different was- person. <laughs> the apartment was spotless. It was always a mess when we lived together. I was always cleaning. Like, it's just, it's just crazy oh to think God. about that. And then if you're on the other side, like with my husband and his ex and his ex's stuff was like all over the apartment, but it wasn't stuff she needed. And I knew, like I could tell just like as a girl and that she was leaving that. And he didn't realize this. I was like, oh, she's marking her territory. She's, yeah. that's their <laughs> Like she's leaving there because she doesn't want you ever having another girl in this space. And so with that, I, we, I helped him pack up all her stuff and cause she wasn't coming to get it. And, and, and that's also a better way to, if you can 
Like if you give them the time to get their stuff and they still haven't get, gotten their stuff, pack it up because that's also eliminating the time that they're in your place, you know, doing whatever they want to do. So we packed up all our stuff and we're like, hey, she, well, he was like, hey, here's a picture of your stuff. Like, please come get it and leave the key. So that's mm. how you do it in that situation if you're trying to get Genius. your ex to move out of their, your place. Oh my God, so tricky. I love it. It um, is. I'm sure you've experienced a lot of this red flags and things that are like you should avoid and especially from the podcast. So what are some like good red flags that maybe aren't so obvious that you can identify and what you've learned from both of those things? The big one thing that I feel like is the not so obvious red flag is when you have a first date and it feels like you're in a movie. Like you have the butterflies. It, I mean, maybe you experienced this when you were on The Bachelor. Like, you know, it oh, just yeah. like feel, it feels like you are on The Bachelor. You know, it's like, it feels too good to be true. And I think at the, the problem with that is a lot of times we get so swept up in the moment, so swept up in the fact that we feel like we're finally living our romantic comedy fantasy mm-hmm. and we're not paying attention to what the person is saying to us. And this also is like, if this, if you're on a date with someone who is so good looking, it's really, really, really hard to notice what they're saying to you. Like I I remember first date I went on with a guy and he was, this guy was like the most gorgeous guy I had ever been on a date with in my life. Like it was the feeling where I was like, I can't believe that he asked me to go on a date with him. And I was so swept up with how into me he appeared to be (laughs) that I wasn't listening to like everything else he was saying, which was like, I'm a struggling actor. I just broke up with my ex-girlfriend. I'm in therapy because of it. My life is not together. Like all of these red flags that were just popping off. Like I was listening to none of them because I was like, but you kind of look like John Mayer. Like this is great. (laughs) Yeah. And then you like start seeing yourself in their life. If they like mention one thing, you're like, oh, so you have a sister. I wonder if we could go shopping together on Saturdays. Like no. <laughs> and then you start like acting like the girlfriend all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, do I even want this person to be my boyfriend? Like yeah. aside from like what he looks like, like, do I really, it's just, yeah, I think that's a big thing. And then also the, I think the love bombing thing is like a newer thing that I started to understand what that is. And that's also when uh, someone blows up your phone. So when you first start dating someone and you're like texting with them constantly, and it's not like a conversation, it's like they're sending you paragraphs and it's like, they're always constantly doing it in a way that's like love bombing, but also kind of controlling because they want Mm -hmm. to make sure that you are always texting them back and you're not doing anything else. And that's the thing that I I was like, it took me later to realize, oh, that's actually not healthy for Mm -hmm. someone to be like texting you 24 seven or texting you 24 seven and never meeting up with you. Also very frustrating. Yeah. And it's it's hard when you again have been like fed the fairy tale and you especially for me, because I didn't have a lot of dating experiences. So I was like, oh, this is how what it's supposed to be like. This is it's supposed to be like magical. And I mean, yes, there are elements that are like really romantic and magical, but like with reality mixed in there too. So Mm-hmm. It's hard to identify. The butter- butterflies are a red flag in a way. And I think that's weird because it kind of goes, it's like you have to rewire your brain because you think butterflies are a good thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between like first date jitters. But if you constantly feel like you have butterflies when you're with this person, like I, you, you should be like calm and at ease when you're with yeah. your person. You shouldn't be like, you know, freaking out and nervous and like trying to be like this perfect version of yourself that's not mm-hmm. you. Yeah, there's. it, it seems to be like, ease is the general theme for the right person. It's not mm-hmm. less like resistance, less trying to be someone that you're not to make them like you, all of the things. I want to go through 20 guys you date in your 20s. Sure. Yeah. I love <laughs> I love everything about this title. Oh, I feel you. like 
it's so fun that you've gotten to meet all of them. So what are some types that <laughs> were hard for you to maybe get over or for hard for you to deal with while dating? Because I think there's so many different types and it's some are easier than others. So what were like the most difficult ones and what are some ones that maybe were hard to identify when you were going through dating in your 20s? Well, the guy you always go back to uh, or you're yeah. Mr. Big and we all know how that turned out. So yeah. uh, that <laughs> that <R. I>. <laughs> is RIP in so many ways. Um, that to me was the hardest because I think for a majority of my 20s, I was convinced that this was the person I was going to end up with. And because of that, I feel like I was never fully present in other relationships because in the back of my head, I was like, well, if this doesn't work out, there's always this guy. And I saw this thing just came up on my TikTok for you page of Matthew Hussey saying that actually the guy you always go back to is the most toxic of them all because you waste all this time. And I don't really feel like anything's a waste of time, but I think what it was more of is that I look back at to other guys that I had dated that probably were wonderful and great, but maybe I wasn't seeing that because I was so hung up with the what if with the guy mm -hmm. I would always go back to. Yeah. And it was good when I finally put my foot down. I was like, you know, maybe this person isn't my future husband. Maybe this person is actually a friend. And when I was able to remove the romance from the relationship, the guy I always go back to is still like a very good friend of mine. And I think that that was like a way to be healthy about the relationship and see it for what it is and not be like, oh, this is my happy ending. It's like, no, this is someone who has, you've known for over a decade and you care about each other, but it's not the rope, like romance is not good for you guys. Like it's very mm. toxic when you date. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard when you like have that connection and you've, and you are comparing new people to that person. Always. It's yeah. It's really hard to move on from them when you, that is naturally what happens. And, and I feel like with those guys or with my experience with those types of people where you always go back to them, they would, tr they would like ghost and then come back in the most inopportune times when you're like, okay, I'll try one more time. And then you give them those like months or whatever. And then they do the same thing again. And you're, you're like, no, not again. I just, it's so, it's so easy to fall back into it though, because they, they give you their best pitch when they come back into your life and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe this time. And you know, it just tends to be a big waste of time. But you do learn it, a lot, it, which is it's you helpful. learn a lot. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is that they always come back when you are finally happy, mm -hmm. when you're finally like they see you in a relationship and they're like, oh, wait, hold on. Um, and that that identifying that and realizing that and being like, do they want me because they want me or do they only want me because they feel like they're losing me? And to mm -hmm. really identify that is very helpful. Yeah. Gabby, what would you say to someone that's dating right now in their 20s or feeling the ups and downs of it? Like what would be your best advice to someone like that? Have fun with it. Don't get too hung up on the situation. Um, I think the other thing that I didn't realize in my 20s, I only realized in my 30s, is that when someone likes you, it's so abundantly clear that they like you. The whole being hung up on the maybes or decoding text messages or like, why, oh, this guy, we text all the time, but we never see each other. Like mm -hmm. dealing with any of that stuff, like that is wasting your time. And I think to really uh, accept and see people for who they are when you're dating them. And if you're dating someone and you realize, oh, this is this relationship has an expiration date and I don't have it in me to make it past that expiration, realize that you are dating the guy with an expiration date. Or if someone ghosts you, don't try to want, figure out what happened to them or what you did wrong, except that that person 
ghosted you and <laughs> don't try to get the, find out where they are, you know? Yeah. So I think like if you, if using my book to kind of look through these relationship types and identify the relationship you're in and see if that relationship serves you, but also realize like the closer you get to 30, it doesn't mean you need to settle down. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you need to choose your person because the relationship you get in when you are the most panicked is not going to be a healthy relationship. Most likely Mm -hmm. the relationship that works is one that just works. The person that just makes your life easier and better and doesn't feel forced, doesn't feel like you are constantly doing so much work. Doesn't feel like this relationship is like wearing you down or taking over your life or not what it appears to be like on the highlight reel that is social media. Like that is not the right relationship. Like you, you really cannot get into a relationship and have a healthy relationship until you are a hundred percent at peace with who you are and you feel whole because mm. it is two holes, not another half situation. You can't have it like fill a place that you are missing in yourself. It doesn't always work out if that's the case. And you have yeah. to be complete. You also have to be complete because you can't be relying on your partner to be the person that makes you feel whole or completes your life. Like your life mm-hmm, has to be. Absolutely. Do you feel like people can change and, and improve if they're experiencing like that one of those 20 types, or you feel like people show you who they are? People show you who they are. I don't also, I would say that all the 20 types are not like, they're not like, don't date this person because I also interviewed couples who have got over that obstacle in their relationship. The only type I would say you shouldn't date is the type that's toxic. Um, I think all the other ones can work out, but in terms of changing, um, I, I mean, I think that change is really an, a verb more than it is like, you really have to see it. There has to be evidence of it. Um, and change is hard. Like I really don't, I feel like people stay true to who they are, at least in my experience, I've never seen someone like totally change the person they Mm -hmm. are, which is why I think you have to like accept people for who they are and make that decision on your own, whether or not you have space for this person in your life. Absolutely. How did you maintain your faith and love and pursuing it? You went through a lot of dating and what seems like some ups and downs. So how did you at the end of the day, like keep getting yourself up and keep believing in love? I think it's my parents' relationship. Um, My parent, my mom, I found this out in my late 20s that my mom actually was married before she met my dad. And they've been together. They just celebrated. I'm I'm in my early 30s, but they just celebrated like 40 something years of marriage together. And I always thought they had the most perfect relationship ever. And knowing that my mom met my dad later in life and that that was in like the 70s, which is probably if that was equivalent today, it would have been even later in life because of where people's (laughs) timelines were back then. Um, And just seeing like that, okay, they both make each other's lives better, like constantly, like they have a healthy and happy relationship. And knowing that that was possible, knowing that there wasn't like a time crunch to find that and also kind of accepting that like, okay, I shouldn't settle until I have something that looks like that. Mm, Yeah. And that I think restored my faith. In, in dating. <laughs> it's nice to have an example to look up to and like, because it can be very difficult to figure out what it is that you are looking for. It's nice to have someone to be like, oh, I love what they have, even if it's just like a small aspect of what someone has. Even like, oh, I like that this couple does this, this couple does this, and you can like form what your ideal relationship would be. Um, so it's nice to have. And I know – I know that I am in the minority of having a parents that are still together. I know that's like very rare today, but I would I would say my advice would be was would it would be to find a couple 
that you look up to and don't settle until you have a relationship like they have. Mm -hmm. One more thing on that. Like, how did you not settle? Like, how did you keep yourself from settling? Because there's sometimes where it's like, well, he's kind of it-ish. How did you not settle? Well, I definitely, I definitely settled in my twenties. <laughs> like, of course, like, and, and I think even settling going on second dates that I didn't want to go on because the guy asked me out on a second date and I felt obligated mm-hmm. to, um, it wasn't until I got out of my relationship at 31 and was single and back in Los Angeles, that that was the new leaf of not settling because I felt with my ex in a way I settled, not saying in his like looks or personality settled in the way, settled in the way that he treated mm-hmm. me and accepting that when I deserved better, I deserve someone who treated me a lot better. So I think after realizing that I had settled there, I was like, that is my rock bottom of settling. I am never doing that again. And so I kind of really learned to date myself. I was living alone. I was happy. I I, I noticed that like, look, I could take myself out on a date if I want to. I can do my own thing. Like being really comfortable with yourself and your time with yourself and noticing that like, why would you want to bring someone else into your life that doesn't make your life better. And then that was kind of my wake up call for not settling. And that's when I started saying no to second dates. Like if there was a guy who asked me on a second date and I really wasn't feeling it, I would just say, you know what? I was nice meeting you. I'm just really not feeling it. Cause I, you know, I, I had, I had euphoria to watch yeah. or whatever, you know, like the, to me, that's like, it's more, my, it's more valuable of my time of like someone who is working all the time to, you know, watch a show or cook a meal or spend time with friends. Like that time to me was more valuable than going on a second date with someone who I just, it wasn't a hell yes mm-hmm. for with me. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Find that hell yes. Oh, <laughs> love it. Um, I'm going to do some final questions and we can wrap. Sure. Uh, there's just three. So first question is anytime that you might've overshared something, whether that was on a date or in the work that you do and something that something that you would maybe change or say differently? Is there any time that you can think of that you might have overshared? <laughs> um, I guess what's coming to mind is a time that I cried into a flaming margarita on a second date. Um, and that was because <laughs> my my mom, my mom was um, in the hospital at the time and I should have been like, hey, you know, I'm going through something. Like I should stay at home and just like deal with this and not go on a second date. And so- yeah, the the poor guy like heard my whole story about what my mom was going through. And like, I was just like crying at this like crowded bar into a flaming margarita. And I was like a mess. Um, And it was it was just really it was really and he tried he was the bless his heart. He's tried like saying like your mom jokes, like make me laugh. And it was it was just it was I should have stayed home. Is what <laughs> lesson. I think your life is maybe in the works for a romantic comedy. Are you started writing it? Because well, it's well, definitely a story. Actually, I am adapting my book into a rom-com right now. So I'm working on this. I'm working with um, the development company that did uh, Crazy Stupid Love and uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Denovi. We're just at the development phases, but they've been guiding me along the way. I had gave them my first draft before the holidays and now I'm working on a second draft. That I'm oh my really God, that's about. so exciting. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely I mean, it's still in the it. beginning stages, yes. but like fingers crossed that I write a script that they like and we can move forward. <laughs> oh my God, good luck. I, yeah, I'll definitely be watching that. That's amazing. Um, well, uh, two more questions. What do you want to be known for or remembered by? 
Um, I, I mean, I think I'm already becoming known for my like dating life and dating stories. And, um, I, and I, I do love that because I just always, the reason why I share is to help people. Like, it's not because I like love hearing about my broken heart. Like I, I go back into those heartaches and I put them out into the world because I really hope that someone either learns or seeks comfort from it or realizes that things get better and that you can get better. So if that's what I'm known for, I am, I'm happy to be known as, as that girl. <laughs> I love it. How does your husband handle you just constantly talking about exes and stuff he all the time? He is so supportive about it, which is a big reason why we started, like why we were together because a lot of guys were not that supportive and, and, I, and it's because he's confident, but he's not cocky. And I think that that was really what drew me to him in the first place. Uh, because I think to him, he, he's like, well, yeah, I'm your husband. Like we're like, this is, this is a thing. Like we're, we're together. Like I, he doesn't, I mean, and also knowing that they're exes for a reason and that it's not like I'm yeah. romanticizing these relationships or like, or wishing I was with them. Like I'm not with them for a reason and I'm with him and, and he's, he's nothing but supportive of my work. Um, and I mean, he, he had to be because, when we first started dating, I had already gone viral for going on 30 dates in three days. So yeah, and that was like a deal breaker for a lot of other dates, but he was, he was so cool about it and has always been very supportive. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm lucky. I love it. That's a great example of like the real the deal. Real deal. Awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a last question. What's like one last piece of advice for what we talked about or just anything that you have to share with us? I think um, I always say the best is yet to come. And I, I mean, I mean that like truly. And I think that in dating, if you are in a situation that you feel isn't, you're not happy, uh, you feel like, you know, you're just this, that, that you deserve better, like know that you deserve better. Know that even when your life feels like you're at its rock bottom, like you only have up to go. And, and yeah, I think definitely like don't waste your time with people that don't make your life better or easier um, in, in terms of dating, like only, you know, being single is a gift and don't give up your singleness unless someone is worth it. I love that so much. Yeah. You can learn so much from being single. And I, I do agree. It's like such a special time in your yeah. life. So and people have Enjoy. it wrong with the whole like, oh my God, I'm single. Like my life is like over. This is so depressed. Like the Kathy comics. And it's like, no, that's not how it is anymore. No, yeah. 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 And it's yeah. The how to be single movie. It's yeah. wraps it all up into a little bow. I love that movie. I just think the whole like having a machine that zippers up your dresses for you is just a little far. <laughs> you can do yeah, it. Yeah, you can do it with just like bending in a certain way. You can do it. Yeah, I, I agree. It Otherwise, was like a little no bit notes. of a stretch, Perfect. but I yeah. still love it. Yes. Amazing. Um, Gabby, where can everyone find you? Get the book, your podcast, all of that great stuff. Sure. Um, my book, 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s, is available wherever you buy or listen to books. And one of those places is also Audible, where my podcast, Am I Dating a Serial Killer, has its whole first season. So 10 episodes for you to binge listen to on Audible. And I am on Instagram at It's Gabby Conti, I-T-S-G-A-B-I-C-O-N-T-I, or my website, GabbyConti.com, has all the things I just mentioned on it. Thank you so much. This was such a Thank fun you. episode. This was so fun. It was so I nice I can relate chatting. to you so much as a fellow Cancer. I totally get Aww. it. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for being here. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. 
send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at something to share podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.